top of the morning somewhere, but it's 1 p.m. Eastern time on the East Coast, December 19th. Like that. The December is a blur. I'm just telling you right now. Coming off, by the way, yesterday was one of those days. The Rangers just dominate in Chicago. The Giants go into Washington and much-needed victory. The Jets lose, which I love. Uh, and the Knicks win. I mean, it's like it's, you can't ask for anything more. Anyway, it's well, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And it was your birthday, yeah, which was, was an amazing day. So you got all that on your birthday, on your 49th birthday, Guy Dami. How all about that and a, and a haircut. Although I will tell you, wait till you see Carter Worth because he got quaffed and he looks good. That should become as no surprise. Anyway, uh, December 19th, 30 minutes on the clock. Today's market call brought to you by FactSet, Dan. Financial data and analytics are, in fact, powered by tomorrow. As I mentioned, I'm powered by a number of different things. And it's going to be interesting. You know, people talking about the seasonality. I know Doug Cass pushes back against that seemingly correctly. But with each passing day, we get later and later in the month, it's going to go away before you know it. And this market topped out exactly where it should have. We're going to talk about that. But first, Dan, yeah, uh, we like to start with a little headline. How are you, by the way? Uh, I, I'm I like doing okay. I, I will say this, that just so you, our, our listeners, our viewers can, can know this, you and I are both playing with the hurt right now. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we feel like your New York football giants in week 15, you know, like it just, it's just a long season, man. And you and I, I think we've been doing it almost every single day, but we got, we got stuff going on. So, so we could use a little bye week So here. We? So just so our viewers just yeah. check this out. Paul Tarafenko, I think plays for the St. Louis Blues, just said, guy is out of focus. Maybe that's a good thing. Paul, my man, I think you're probably right. I have no idea. Why I'm, I look pretty good to myself here. Um, but, yes, Dan is playing hurt. But it is. A, you're sporting a nice beard, and your hair looks fantastic as well. But, you know, again, Morgan Stanley, by the way, kudos to Morgan Stanley and everything they've been doing. I yeah. will tell you, um, they, I think they've done a remarkable job. It's obviously specifically one person, but collectively over the last 18 months or so, so navigating a pretty difficult environment. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing. So Mike Wilson, he's their head strategist. He's been on our podcast numerous times this year. He's actually going to be on, on the tape. Be our first guest. I think it's like January 5th guy. Um, and he's going to lay out his 2023 outlook. He was really bearish a year ago. He's been right. He's called for some tactical rallies. But this is the most important thing right now. And you and I have been harping on this all year long. And we've been talking about how S&P earnings estimates are just way too high, given what we see as the headwinds to economic growth in general, what the dollar was doing, what yields were doing, where we had depressed economic activity, where a lot of our U.S. multinationals, which are huge contributors to S&P 500 earnings, right, what was going on abroad. And we've been talking about this all year, and it's gotten a little boring. Now, here's the deal. You and I were both calling for 3,400 in the S&P probably since the start of the year when we we're yeah. kind of near the highs. We got to 3491 and we put some math to it, right? We were saying that we think that if S&P earnings are 210, you want to put that times a trough multiple, you know, that gets you to 3400. Well, we nearly got that. If you look at Mike's estimates for next year, it's kind of hard to think. And you just, you do this. If Mike is right, and we had somebody, we had Jurian Timmer from Fidelity tell us on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, don't make the mistake of waiting for a trough earnings number to kind of line up with a trough earnings multiple, right? Yeah. Because you're going to be playing for a too low of a low. Let's just say put 17, okay, times 180, okay, guy? Let's just say the worst case scenario for Mike's um, earnings estimates, okay, 
that's 30, 60. That's on a 17 multiple, yeah. which you would say is way too high for the S&P if it's going down. So we don't even need to. Now that Mike's lowered the boom and he's put a 180 for 2023 earnings estimates, you can actually use a 16 or 17 multiple, which is not a trough multiple. And that'll get you to those levels or below those levels yeah. we've been talking about. It, it's not in anything close to a trough multiple. I mean, I would submit a trough multiple in the in this environment it would be closer to 14. And Urian made a good point. They're not going to line up exactly right. And he's probably correct. One is going to lead and maybe it's the earnings first. And then, you know, the the, the multiple people pay for them then comes months later. I, I Again, I don't know, but I'll tell you, I have not seen 180 out of anybody. And, you know, that number is significant. I mean, you're finally breaking that $200 mark. By the way, I think at one point consensus earnings were going to be like 260 or something like that. So think about with each passing week seemingly to get ratcheted down. And the mistake I think people continue to make is believing that the only thing stopping this market right now is the Federal Reserve. If the Fed were to you know to signal some sort of pause, the market would be off to the races. And maybe again for a day or two, that would be the case until people realize that the math doesn't work. Yeah. So not only is the Fed not your friend right now, the math isn't your friend either. And I think Mike lays it out pretty well. Yeah, he does. Kudos to Michael Wilson. All right, let's look at the S&P chart really quickly because I think kind of we've all been on this, especially after that reversal day we had last week after the CPI and then the reaction to the Fed meeting. We broke that really steep uptrend. Carter came on Fast Money, came on Market Call early last week. He said there is a gap. I think he was saying to 3818 mm -hmm. in the S&P 500 here. By my math, Guy, we're almost there, 38, 32 or so. But I don't think he thought it's going to stop there. We'll have him come on in a minute, and he'll give us an update here. The NASDAQ, the NDX, you and I have remarked on Market Call how it's really underperformed um, over the last two months. And that rally here, look at that. It didn't even get to its 200-day moving average, Guy, and I'm just going to back it out when you look at it since the start of 2020, and you see that sort of air pocket um, you know, below the October lows, back to the February 2020 lows. Talk to me about the NASDAQ, the NDX, the NASDAQ 100 here. And do you agree that it's going to lead to the downside? Well, what's interesting, and we point this out, you've pointed it out as well. In late summer, it actually outperformed because yeah. it didn't make a new low. It actually it sort of held uh, and bounced. But now it's been underperforming. And if you try to dissect this, I mean, obviously, it's, a, it's four or five different stocks leading the charge. But what it's telling you is something that Carter said for a while, something you and I have brought up as well, that in the initial knee-jerk reaction of rates going lower and the dollar going lower, there was going to be some short-term euphoria in stocks. And to a certain extent, we saw that. And then it would sort of sort itself out and the stock market would figure out that lower yields and lower dollar is not necessarily such a good thing. And it's really just happening right before our very eyes. I mean, Carter laid it out and I think we've done a decent job as well. What does this tell me? Well, we've mentioned a number of times we will talk about Apple in depth, but Apple being the leader of the pack, not trading particularly well over the last week or so. And again, an expensive stock in this environment. You throw Tesla in there, you throw an Amazon in there, which is starting to roll over again. And you can understand why the NASDAQ is trying to act in kind. Again, yeah. I would submit, I don't, I'm not saying I'm correct, but I happen to think all this is a good thing. This is what you need to see. Again, Carter talks about it all the time. The generals are the last to go, and there's no bigger general than probably Patton, and in this case, it would be Apple.
Yeah. And so when I think of the NDX, here we are, 11,000, kind of 111. That's kind of weird. 11,111 guy, as I'm looking at it here. I look at those October lows. I think they're about 10,440. And then I go back and I look at the kind of Feb 2020 um, highs, pre-pandemic highs, and that was about 9,800 or so. So I think it's a foregone conclusion. We get there. You make a really good point. Amazon is about to make new 52-week lows. Uh, Alphabet looks about the same. I think Microsoft could pick up to the downside. And there you have it in January or so. And then crude oil, we'll just hit this quickly because we'll hit it tomorrow. Tomorrow is a CME Oh, I day. love that. Um, yeah, but this one, you know, guy, it had that nice bounce kind of where it should have here. It really does feel like it's going to take out those 52-week lows if it can't get going here. So, um, you know, I know that you've been talking about the fabulous job that the Biden administration yeah. did by selling oil, $4 billion gain. It was in the Wall Street Journal as of date, you know, as of the date. At some point, they're going to have to refill that thing. Yeah. No, look, I, when they did it, I thought it was a mistake. And listen, I still think in retrospect, it's probably going to be a mistake. But in terms of just a commodity trade through that lens, I mean, they've done it extraordinarily well. I mean, our mandate is sell high, buy low. And so far, they've sold high. Now the trick is to buy it back low. And maybe, listen, maybe they're in the midst of doing it right now. I have no idea. They really haven't. All they've really said is sort of $70 is a level they would think about it. I mean, who knows what really goes on behind the scenes. But that Wall Street Journal points out something we said last week and the week prior that in terms of a commodity trade, good for them. I will say we had Paul Sankey on Fast Money last week. Um, he thought that Brent, which I think is trading around 80 bucks, I'll call it 80 just for sake of simplicity, could rally up to 120 by May. That's a 50% rally. And Paul obviously is pretty good in the space. We had Halima Croft on our podcast last week. And although she didn't put really price targets on it, I think she had sort of a bullish view as well. So there's still some bulls holding out there. The price, the price suggests a different outcome, though, Dan. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's see. I mean, that might be a New Year thing. I think a lot of things are just kind of holding on for dear life into year's end. And, you know, we're going to hit a couple stocks uh, later on with Carter about that. And just kind of lastly, the 10-year really feels like it's kind of holding on for dear life. Maybe it's making a little bit of a stand at that kind of three and a half level, which is maybe just psychologically important. It was kind of the high earlier this summer, breakout level before we got above that four uh, percent bound. And here we are. We're kind of contending with that um, level here you see the rising 200 days down there like you know just just below 3.1 percent or so and this is obviously a big story i just think that we're going to see crude i think we're going to see the dollar i think we're going to see 10-year yield all close very um near Poorly. some of those kind of like lower bound levels yeah. here below where we're trading now look the yields held here which surprises me because i, I got to tell you the way it was trading for that few day period it looked like it was just going to be a straight shot down to three and a quarter which yeah. probably would have correlated with TLT, you know, 118 to 120 or something like that, which makes sense. But, you know, we're, we're holding here for whatever reason. And, you know, lest you think we're all doom and gloom, the inverted yield curve, which I think topped out around 83 basis points or so, has actually come in a bit, which I guess is a good thing. I, I, to be honest with you, I really don't know at this point. But, you know, that seemingly is, yeah. is working in the market's favor for now. So yeah. again, we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. Um, real quick. The only thing that was kind of really bit up this morning was banks and oil and banks, maybe just because the rates were up a little higher there. And I thought that was kind of interesting. We saw 
um, the dollar also bouncing. So, you know, BKX, I know Carter came on, we talked about the banks last week. Um, I think he thinks you sell them and sell them again. And maybe like some days like today when they're just reacting to yields is a good opportunity to take profits or put a short on. All right, let's do it here, Guy Dami. Let's bring in Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting here. Let's and I got to tell you, you mentioned just before we got on, like he had a nice looking haircut, didn't he? No, it doesn't look that way. I mean, he's got a fantastic haircut. So a handsome man becomes that much more handsome. And I love some of the comments we get. It's like, you know, you guys are constantly um, blowing smoke. It's like, you know what? I mean, yeah, okay. Wait, who's That's saying what we that? Do. Chris, put no, that up there. Let's talk that. about I mean, that for a second. Like, who's blowing smoke where? You know well, what I mean? I, I yeah, love no, harder. No smoke but, I mean, doesn't mean I, it's not, you know, just so because I blow I, a said smoke doesn't the mean real it's question. not justified. How often does one get air? I had a boss. I think he got these things every two weeks, my first job. I mean, so the men's hair never changed. You know, he'd go in for the eighth of an eighth of an inch clip, and you just had this timeless hairdo. But uh, anyway, yeah, what are the, what, how, what's the frequency for getting air cut? Some people well, two really, weeks really, is aggressive. I will tell you that's old school so. Wall Street. You know, I'm I mean, two, two weeks. weeks. I'm two, two weeks. weeks. Are you two, two weeks? weeks? I like. I just like uh, to keep it. I, I like to keep it clean here. You know uh, what I mean? Well, yeah, um, real quickly, Carter, own. because when I look at your haircut. And I just look at your your boyish sort of look that you have. You really like. First of all, you have a new Twitter um, profile, which I think is Kai. You got to check out this picture. Um, look at that. that. Look at that. I, I need to, in. Uh, talk about leading in. Yeah, photo. talk about leading in. And then maybe I don't know if Jacob can do this, but he also has. You know, it is the season, as they say. Remember that. Remember that Christmas story. That that classic eighties sure. movie. He's got a certain Ralphie look to him with 100%. his haircut, and then. He's got a little bit of a Kevin McAllister from Home Alone a little bit. So maybe- and I'll throw one more at you. He, he's got a little Hermie the Dentist shit going, too, from Rudolph. But anyway, listen, CB Dubs, you heard us talking about the market and how, you know, you had talked about mm-hmm. there was a scenario where yields went lower, the dollar went lower, the knee-jerk reaction would be the market would go higher until the market figured out that none of that is bullish and then the market would roll over. And over the last week and a half, that's playing out. Does this thing continue to sort of manifest itself? Because it certainly looks like it will. will. I mean, obviously, look, year-end stuff is interesting and people can run the tape or not run the tape, you know, year-end rally. But I mean, really what obviously all the all of us need to figure out and the big money that's running uh, the retirement funds for some of the citizenry, if not all of the citizenry, I'm meaning the big mutual fund complexes and pension plans. What is the year ahead? likely to be. And it's completely unknown. At least I can go first. I have no clue. But I think that if one would agree and all would agree that it can only do three things happily, up, down, or sideways, um, the idea is to try to eliminate the scenario that seems the least likely and then go from there. And I think the least likely scenario was up of those three, which leaves us in the sideways to down camp. And while many would disagree, they might be betting up, I think sideways to down captures probably 90% of the odds. Well, you know, it's funny when you think about it, like, you know, what percentage of the time is the market up? Uh, you know what I mean? On the year. Right. And, and you probably have that data. So mm-hmm. if, if you run money long only, um, if you have, you know, a lot of conviction or dogma about what you think, you know, is going to happen. I mean, the bet is just to be long because that's what kind of most of the people do most of the time. Um, that's not what we do here. Um, that's not what you do a chart uh, worth charting. I mean, we're trying to kind of pick, 
pick spots and pick opportunities. Mm -hmm. and, and let me tell you this. I mean, we reserve the right to change our minds, but we also timestamp it every day. You do it through your emails. We do it through our podcasts and these videos. I'll just say this though. I, you know, I, I am often in, in the camp of the higher we go in year end, if there's any of that funny business, you know what I mean? About marking the, you know, things or whatever is the lower we go in the new year. I think that's becoming a little bit of a consensus that the first part of the year is going to be lower guy thoughts on that. Because, you know, again, if, if the realization is that S and P earnings are not going to be above $200 for 2023, and we kind of start to get the feeling of that during Q4 earnings, which is basically mid to late January into mid, you know, it probably done by mid February. Well, that's when a lot of these numbers are going to come down. So the question is, does the market anticipate that or do investors anticipate that sell first ask, ask questions later? Yeah. I mean, since October, I would submit, Admit the consent, the seemingly consensus view was a rally into year end that would continue through the levels that we pointed out. And then the first quarter, first half of next year would be trying. That seemed to be what everybody was saying. I never really look. I thought we could rally in October. We all talked about it. We thought it could get up to 4,100. Effectively, it did. And then we thought it would fail at the trend line, which is seemingly happening. Um, so I think the best case scenario for the market is a flush into year end, a, a, you know, a shitty January. Yeah. And then we start to get our sea legs, February, March, April into the spring. And that's not out of the realm of possibility. And it's interesting. One of the people said, Guy and Dan want the market to go, no, want them always want the market to go low. It's that's just patently false. But what I will tell you is we're not asshole cheerleaders nope. like some of these other things. I mean, that's not what we do. If we think it's going lower, we'll say it. If we think it's going higher, we'll say that as well. I take no joy when the market goes down because I understand that most of the time people are long stocks. I totally get it, but I'd rather tell you what I feel and, quite frankly, take some solace in being correct than to bullshit you into thinking everything's okay because that doesn't do anybody any good, Dan. Fair enough. Um, Carter, I wanted to hit, we want to hit some single stocks here. And, you know, I remember when I was telling you that I'm inclined to be long a little bit of Disney into their print. This was about a month ago. Um, and then average in. And I did just that. I averaged in and I had a nice little average somewhere around 86. And the stock popped and I had a good little trade. And then Bob Iger comes back, stock pops again. Again, then there's all this excitement about this Avatar movie. Um, that's disappointing. Look where we are on this thing. I mean, like, this is just a, a chart. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I sold my Disney stock. Basically said I really thought there's a chance that it, you know, kind of retests those, jam or those. I guess you call them those March 2020 lows. And then we have a 10-year chart here. I mean, this thing's a, a bit of a train wreck. Uh, you know, if you look at it over, over 10 years, that March 2020 low, really important, takes you back to, you know, six or so years, even before that. What's your take on Disney? Um, because this is one that I, I really do want to start picking at once it tests that March 2020 low. But when you have such a significant low like that, um, is it likely if it breaks, is it likely to go much lower in your opinion? Well, I mean, that's considerably lower than here for starters, right? So there's that. And then there's this. Um, independent of a prior reference point, just the here and now chart is we have a chart that a stock that exhibits what? Bearish price volume correlation, poor relative strength to the market, yeah. and it's hovering, I would characterize ominously, at just above its intermediate lows of June. The presumption is it breaks. And this is the same setup for so many stocks. That's that's the condition. I think last week we talked about Target, the three of us together. We know what Amazon looks like. So there's a lot of stocks at break junctures. 
Treatment yeah. has probably been in terms of valuation, but you know it doesn't matter because that, again, we say it all the time, that earnings number could continue to go lower. Obviously, you know, the reopen trade that we hoped would have taken place six to nine months ago seemingly is still in question. So you layer that with basically the media business with is somewhat challenged despite Avatar, which I will not see. And that's why this, probably the stock is trading like it is, Dan. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so again, you know, but this is one, you know, like if you say it's it's a good distance away, I mean, $80, here we are just below well, around 87. So you got about 10%. It really feels like it's going back there. I just feel like some names like this, you're going to want to start to pick at. I think tomorrow, and we'll look at this one a little bit after the close, um, Nike reports. We'll take a look at it tomorrow. This, you know, that had a big gap after earnings last quarter, worked its way up pretty nicely. That was one I bought on the gap. Let's see what they have to say, uh, you know, about China and about European demand and all that sort of stuff. So that'll be a good tell. Real quickly, I wanted to throw up this AMC. Like you said, you are not going to see the Avatar. I think a lot of people who are excited about Avatar 13 years ago are not likely to sit in an AMC theater for three and a half hours. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. That yeah. How long it is? Come three on. hours and twelve minutes. Three hours and twelve minutes. And you know, if we you had get back a certain to, age and you just don't do that, I'm in that category. Yeah, I am too. Well, guy, you'd have, to hit the, you'd have to hit the John like four times. No, because the whole thing is filmed in water. Apparently, I mean, yeah, just a, I mean, that's just it, that's you know, it would just stimulate certain subliminal urges. advertising. Remember, remember that in, in Spies Like Us, where Dan Aykroyd is trying to get uh, Chevy Chase to to kind of do a little sidebar. He's like, "Are you feeling a southern a, a, a sudden urge? Uh, uh, you know what I mean?" on your on your bladder do you remember that scene like right before they said we're americans and then the next thing you see him is strung up you remember that no nobody nothing no i i, I don't think i've seen the movie to be honest oh with it's, you. A, it's a it's a classic it's like they don't make those 80s like like you know like comedies anymore all right but this thing uh, amc has been a comedy uh, in the theater um for a couple years now and just to be really clear the low before this thing took off in early 2021 and became a meme stock in January it was trading at a dollar 60. It really feels like Carter, if it breaks, this might be the end. Bed Bath is doing the same. It's trading below three bucks. GameStop is hovering around 20. Our good friend Danny Moses um, thinks it probably gets cut in half or more um, from here. Are the meme stocks almost done? Well, they have that look and feel. And, and what's so important about it is that it's not one. It's, many, many stocks that have gone into the single digit category that were multi-billion dollar valuations that are now, I mean, think of something like a Beyond Meat, which, I mean, first of all, just for the record, I've never had one, never had it, just never occurred to me. Why get the real one or get the salad? Why do you have to have the fake meat? Anyway, with that said, this is $900 million. The thing was 15 billion. We have so many stocks like this. And ultimately it is important to note that remember indices are survivor bias. The S&P is constantly shedding losers and putting ones. It's why it is a very hard thing to beat. And over the long term, and you can look this up on the internet, 98% of all stocks underperform 90-day T-bills. Stocks go out of business. Yeah, well, this one's going to do that. Here, Guy, real quickly, I wanted to hit these three stocks because you know it's near your end and we're kind of taking stock of some of the big themes. You know, I mean, listen, and, and one of the people people ask, why do you kind of keep harping on some of these things? I don't want to hear about crypto. I don't want to hear about meme stocks. I want so really, it's about sentiment, right? It's about investor sentiment and what they're really willing to give up on. And that to me, you know, when they finally give up on a lot of these things, 
that's a good tell, right? You've taken out a lot of the over-exuberance. Obviously, crypto has been going lower um, all year. Coinbase, which is a publicly traded company and thought to be one of the like reasonable ways to play crypto rather than playing some of the tokens. Look at this thing. It's making new 52-week lows. It feels like it wants to die. That's been a pocket of enthusiasm over the last couple of years. Okay, then we have you know cloud-based security. Guy, you know this? This is a huge... Huge bubble, Zscaler, great company. Valuation made no sense, got way ahead of itself. Look at this thing, making new 52-week lows into year end. And then lastly, PayPal. This is one that I've bought, that I've liked. I've tried to take a shot on the long side. I've traded pretty decently. I'm not in it right now. About to make a new 52-week low. FinTech had been a huge bucket of enthusiasm. So talk to me a little bit about just the psychology around this um, guy. And then maybe Carter can kind of. Well, I mean, PayPal's, you know, PayPal is, you're right. It, it's under that umbrella, but a lot of the PayPal problem is PayPal specific. Remember um, when they had, I don't know if it was came out of them or it was just a news story or some rumor that they were thinking about Pinterest, but you go back and look at the stock since then. Yep. And then the subsequent earnings releases. I mean, it's been awful. And I think the interpretation, even if they, we're just passively looking at things. They've needed to buy growth, and the market doesn't like that. You go to Zscaler chart real quick, and again, not coincidental, Dan, that Zscaler made an all-time high effectively a year ago, same time the Fed pivoted. Again, valuations didn't matter in zero interest rate environment. Uh, they started to matter again November of last year. This is not coincidental by any stretch. So what does it all say? It says valuations matter. These stocks, in retrospect, I mean, it's easy to say now, although they traded there, uh, they should have never been there in the first place. And they're finding levels that make sense, not only, you know, price to earnings, but price to sales yeah. and some of the other metrics that we talk about from time to time. Because quite frankly, at a certain point, you know, you were just left scratching your head. I mean, NVIDIA is a great example of a stock that it probably at its peak, Dan, you know this is probably trading north of 30 times revenues, which makes zero sense. Yeah, and, and Zscaler still trades at about, you know, almost 11 times expensive. sales. So um, pretty expensive. Carter, when you see like kind of just us doing those, those charts all look the same to you. Mm -hmm. You heard what we think from a sentiment standpoint. It all speaks to the fact that we have not had the flush yet, the capitulation, despite these stocks being down. Zscaler is down 65% on the year. PayPal's down, you know, a similar. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a disaster, but they haven't had the capitulation. They've actually been basing too long, and there's probably something left to give here. Yeah, there's still uh, some of them have decent cap, and there's no indication that the weakness has run its course. It, it's a testament to a, I mean, one of the oldest rules in the book, try to resist buying stocks in downtrends. We all do it from time to time. Sometimes it's with great success, but more often than not, it's just wrong to do. Yeah, well, you've been making the case on Airbnb. I think you had a note out on we're charting too, and it looks very similar. I think Jacob mm -hmm. can kind of pull that up from your note this morning. I hope you don't mind us kind of please, please. High, it, it looks stacking that here. Awful. It, yeah. And so. by the way, this stock got upgraded last week by somebody um, calling it the best pure play in that space. I think, um, and the stock didn't trade well on the back of the upgrade. Sorry, Carter, but you know when you see yeah. a stock that's performed this poorly. And then it subsequently trades poorly after an upgrade. I mean, that's just not a good sign. No. And so, yes, a, a note out to clients this morning reiterating a early December uh, judgment to be short. And the note today was just titled Press It. I mean, this, to my eye, looks to be setting up for an important and sharp break to new lows.
I All mentioned right. the general. Oh, sorry, Dan. I was yeah, no, I, I think I guy. That's that's where you're going. The generals. Let's yeah, do it. I was going right to it. Not right. Mills generals, but Apple, which you know, again, the, the amount of hate we get on the back of Apple if you say something even remotely negative. I mean, you think you're talking about somebody's kids. These this is just a stock, people. Don't get crazy. But Apple's starting to do the dance here, CB dubs. It is, it is. The king himself, right? Two point three trillion. In market cap, we know that the Russell 2000, add them all up, adds to about 2.7 trillion. So when Apple at its peak, it actually was worth more than the entire Russell 2000. Let's draw some lines. This is the all data chart since its IPO. You can call that an internal trend line. Let's put in another one. This is the trend line in effect since the 04 low. Now, has the stock responded to those trend lines? You betcha, look at the arrows. It's responded to the penny. And mm -hmm. so, you know, this is a great conundrum again to the Federal Reserve Bank, the CFA Society, MBAs world over. But sometimes it's just about the chart. Let's zero in and make it tighter, that 04 low. And so let's zero in on this uptrend and we'll go even tighter. And you'll see now in the next iteration that we have responded to this line beautifully. And the question now, and this is what makes a market, bet that it will again bounce or bet that it will break. Uh, we're thinking break. Let's look at some more charts. Let's go the here and now. This is the here and now chart. And we're only talking about the past two years. We've come down to trend. And I think you can draw the line several ways. And you'll see that in the next iteration or two, whether you want to call it a triple top, whether you call it something of a head and shoulders that's sloppy in the next instance. But basically, to my eye, this is setting up for a break. Let's go uh, even tighter and take a look. Now, we are hovering. This is as of last night's close. We are breaching this line right now. Now, you can also call these converging trend lines. Put another line in here, and you'll see. Or you just draw the lines this way. One more iteration. Well-defined intermediate lows at a common level, and the stock is flirting with the lows and exhibiting bearish price-volume correlation, not shown here, poor relative strength, and is setting up, I think, for a sharp break. Speaking of relative strength, final chart, it's a two-panel. And what do you see, of course? on the two panel chart. Now, is Apple below its June low? No. Look at its relative performance, bottom panel to the S&P. It's making new relative lows. So I will tell you that, you know, Apple is not immune from everything that we talk about, not only here, but on the tape, on CNBC, and people think somehow magically they are, and they're not. I would also submit, Dan, that's probably the best thing that could possibly happen is for Apple to roll over and trade at a more reasonable valuation because when that happens, if it happens, to me, it's going to be as close to the end of this thing as we're probably going to see. And that, by the way, is not something we're saying today. Yeah. That's something we've been saying for quite some time. Yeah, and, and you know, again, I mean, like it, it looks like it's going to coincide with the undoing of Tesla a little bit, and we'll we'll save that maybe for when Carter's on um, later in the week. Um, you know, like is Tesla due for a bounce? Sure. If if the headline, you know, tomorrow is that he's done, you know, doing all this BS on Twitter and everything like that, he's back to kind of the stock will rally. A lot of these people who've been in it for him are really disappointed um, in what he's done. And look at the underperformance of that stock, you know, over the last year. So to me, if that thing comes undone, um, I think, oh, well, there it is. Um, I mean, to me, I just think like, you know, we can talk about it another time. 
this stock, it could bounce here. I don't give a crap. It's going lower. It really feels like it's on the precipice of a fundamental disappointment. Bringing us back to Apple, though, you know, Apple, to your point, they're not immune to the issues, the supply chain issues in China, the demand issues in China, the demand issues in Europe, right? And what we're likely to see here with some delays, and we could see demand with a weakening U.S. consumer. I look at a stock trading at 21 times, and I know that's down from 27 times, okay, earlier this year. Consent this is calling for about 3% earnings growth and 3% sales growth with flat to declining margins. Makes no sense to me. So could that stock trade 120, uh, you know, very easily. That's only about 10% from here. Could it overshoot to somewhere in the teens on a negative pre-announcement and a guide down? No doubt about it, guys. By the way, their cash hoard continues to go lower each quarter, just throwing that in as well, because that's one of the things people point to. And again, we're not Apple haters. We're just pointing it out. Real quick before we get out of here, Gene asked a question about the VIX. She asked a great question, why is it higher? I'll tell you, Gene, if you scroll through the comments, HCB answered it exactly the way I did. You might want to look at that, but thanks for the question, Gene. Uh, Carter Braxtonworth, I want to thank you. That haircut is exceptional. Um, you seem to get better looking each and every day. I find that impossible to believe, yet it happens to me. Uh, it happens to line. you seemingly constantly. <laughs> Dan, love the beard, man. I don't know what you got going on there, but it's, it's, it's working as well. I want to thank the audience for always joining us. Tomorrow we're back on a CME day, so it's just Dan and myself, just the two of us like the song. I will tell you, Leonard Skinner had an album called Nothing Fancy. The reason I mention that is because Carter Worth, nothing fancy, just charts. He's channeling his inner Ronnie Van Zant. That's always a good thing. I want to thank FactSet, Financial Data and Analytics, that are powered by tomorrow. The aforementioned Carter Worth, and of course our audience, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks a lot.